I think this is Brian Burke trying to score points with somebody. Maybe his bosses is for being controversial, maybe being creative or innovative or what it is. But I think this is one of the most silly things that I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of silly things come out of Brian Burke's mouth. We do have breaking news on this 413th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. And before we get to that breaking news, I just need to make one note. If you couldn't beat the University of Illinois, there was no way in God's green earth were the Wisconsin Badgers going to beat the Ohio State Buckeyes at the Horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio. And damned if I wasn't right, 38-7 to is the final from the Horseshoe on Saturday afternoon. And um, Wisconsin, um, good season. You're still going to get a good bowl. There's no question about it. But now with two losses, even if you win the Big Ten West, you'll still have to play Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. And after getting throttled by 31 points, it isn't going to make any difference. So Wisconsin fans, start planning to spend your New Year's Eve probably in the Orlando or Tampa area where you play the, I think it's a Citrus Bowl in Orlando or the, uh, what's the one in Tampa that they always play at the at the home of the Buccaneers? I can't remember, but it's um, so it's a nice bowl. It's a good bowl. It's a New Year's Day bowl, but it's not a big one, and it's certainly not in the college playoff. I just needed to make that. You know, I knew. I said this last week when Wisconsin lost to Illinois. Not only did they potentially just kick themselves out of any consideration for the playoffs, but then because they would have had to beat Ohio State twice. And you can also now throw Jonathan Taylor under the bus or over the over the ridge or into the lake or wherever you want to throw him. He is officially out of the Heisman Trophy running, the great junior running back from the University of Wisconsin. I don't know what his numbers were today, but when they only put up seven points, it probably wasn't very good. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor had to go deep into the 100s for them to have a chance this week, and they only put up seven points. It was 10 to nothing at halftime, and then Ohio State comes out in the second half and puts up 21, scores three touches in the third quarter, obviously ending the game at the horseshoe. Now, as promised, we have some breaking news, and let's go to it as I bring in the executive producer of Unscripted. Chris, what you got for us, my friend? All right. Well, I'm going to enjoy watching the NCAA tie themselves in knots over this one. <laughs> Boy, is this going to be fun, because this screws up everything. And also for you, my friend, I'm sorry that you might have to adjust your top four uh -oh. because the Oklahoma Sooners They're out. have gone into Bill Snyder Family Stadium in Manhattan, Kansas. Oh, no. As 23 and a half point favorites. And they have been defeated by the Kansas State Wildcats. 48 to 41, and frankly, that's closer than it should have been. It was 48-30 with a little bit of time left, and then they got a couple, uh, they got 11 quick points, and then uh, couldn't quite get the onside kick. But now we get to see them try to, the NCAA that is, yeah, tie yeah. themselves in knots, trying to shoehorn the Oklahoma Sooners into the 
top four. We get to watch them try to still give Jalen Hurts the Heisman. We get to see all this bullshit and all the corruption, you know, contradict itself. And I don't really have a problem with the Sooners in general, but I just, in terms of the NCAA, I just love this. Um, until uh, until near the end of the game, they weren't even covering if Kansas State had been 23.5-point favorites, <laughs> never mind that they were. So, uh, yeah, but so in the end, they lose by seven. Thoughts on that game? Well, I'm in shock. Uh, you know, um, I didn't think there was a team in the Big 12 that could stop Oklahoma this year. Not that Oklahoma is that outstanding. They still don't have, in my opinion, a top defense. They've got Jalen Hurts, uh, and their biggest asset is obviously Lincoln Riley, great offensive mind as the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. But just before we went to air on this 413th episode of Unscripted, I had given Chris my, right now, top four, what I would think would be, would be my vision of the four teams for the college football playoff. And that was Ohio State 1, Alabama 2, LSU 3, and Oklahoma 4. I have to make an adjustment. I just have made that adjustment. I put the Clemson Tigers back up to number four. There you go. Well, and and it's 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 the right thing to do. I mean, I, I'm down on Clemson because they have not taken advantage of a powder puff schedule. And I think probably, you know, they were decimated by graduation last year. Look how many guys are playing in the National Football League that hail from Clemson University. I mean, you can recruit like a dog, like Dabo Sweeney does in, in uh, Clemson, South Carolina. But, you know, it still takes a while for some of that young talent to get used to making that huge jump from high school ball to the college level. It's the same as if you're making that jump from the college level to the NFL. There's an adjustment period. And I think that right now Clemson has not played up to their full potential. But I also think probably a part of Clemson is a little bit bored. They get tired of you know, going into all these different ACC barns and kicking people's ass every week. It gets a little, they don't get challenged enough at Clemson. But because of Kansas State's upset of the Oklahoma, uh, the Oklahoma Sooners, my four teams in, if the college football playoff was today, my four teams would be Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, and now I put in Clemson replacing the now once defeated Oklahoma Sooners. And I really have a problem. I'm sorry. The first year of the college football playoff, there was a one-loss team. And it went on to win the national championship because it was the Ohio State Buckeyes. They had lost in 2014 uh, to uh, Virginia Tech. But they came back, kicked everybody's ass in the Big Ten, took Wisconsin 59 to nothing in the Big Ten championship game, and got in as the fourth seed. Then beat Alabama and Oregon to win the national championship. I think that to be one of the top four teams, you have to have zero losses. I'm just really against having one loss. If you're only allowing four teams in, you have to be, in my, mess, in my estimation and in my opinion, if you're only letting four teams in, those four teams have to be perfect. That's my opinion. If you put it to eight, then you can allow some one-loss teams in there. Then Georgia gets in. Then Oklahoma gets in. But with only four, you've got to be perfect. And that's my feeling, and that's why with this news that Chris has just broke here on Unscripted, that Oklahoma has lost at Kansas State today, 
I take Oklahoma out and I put Clemson in. Ohio State would play Clemson, Alabama against LSU. Tim Tebow would love that. Those are two SEC teams. They'd probably have to do the game plans in crayon, but uh, they could get it done. Um, If you are just joining us, and I thank you so very much for doing so and hope that you continue to do so. Um, We had some breaking news, but I want to get Chris involved here. And there was some big news from the UFC. uh, And I got this this morning. And Chris has got some detail and some background, so I'm going to hand the microphone over. But there is good news for UFC fans, especially if you're a ticket holder for UFC 244 next Saturday in New York City as Nate Diaz has officially been cleared to compete against Jorge Masvidal at UFC 244 next Saturday in New York City. And with that proclamation, let's bring in the boss and say hi to the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Flu. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, so Nate Diaz, uh, who basically admits he's, you know, stocked in gutter trash uh, and is very proud of that. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's just not someone I can relate to. I don't like him, but I, I appreciate what he's done here. And he has always been extremely anti-cheating. He just, anyone who cheats or anyone who, uh, you know, takes PEDs or anything like that, he just can't stand it. And he's always, he's always angry anyway. Right. But, now, but then he's extra angry about this stuff. And so... This week, so they all of a sudden, USADA comes out and says that he tested positive for something. And then when I looked it up, it turned out, so it's some, you know, letter and number thing, some whatever uh, substance of some kind. And it said that he took 10,000 times less than one dose. So 10,000 times less than one he dose. He took one ten thousandth of like one, whatever one, like let's say you wanted to cheat. Let's say it was one pill. Okay. Uh he took one ten thousandth of that. What are you going to get out of that? It's like how is that even going to show up on a testing? Well, that's but here's the thing. And so now it sounds like you saw this. Uh, they made some announcement today, and based on how I read it, it seems like they're trying to modify this, maybe weed out these types of things because you saw it has been so proud of themselves, like oh, we're the strictest testers, and so we catch stuff that other guys miss. And it's like yeah, because you're catching stuff that doesn't matter, and you're just ruining people's reputation and costing them a living and all this shit because you're too anal so anyway uh as soon as he tested positive i guess people were telling him like don't say anything yet like you know usada will never comment on a case unless the person who tested positive comes out first and says it okay so at least they have that but he came out and he went right on twitter and he said i'm not going to make it out to nyc for fight week next week because they say i tested with elevated levels that they say might be from some tainted supplements I call false on that because I only take whole food or natural food supplements. I don't even eat meat. So until UFC, USADA, or whoever is fucking with me fixes it, I won't be competing. I'm not going to play their game and try and hide it or keep quiet as they suggested. I'm not going to have my name tainted as a cheater like these other motherfuckers who keep quiet until after the fight just so they can get paid. Fucking cheaters. I don't give a fuck about some money over my dignity and my legacy. I'm not playing along with this bullshit. I'm not staying quiet and figuring it out after the fight. That's cheating. So fight game, I'll see you when I see you. Sincerely, the realest, baddest motherfucker in the game. And so right away, they all... And of course, there's a Madison Square Garden main event on the line with The Rock presenting some custom baddest motherfucker belt to the winner. That's just ornamental, but still, they're going to do it just as a gimmick. And uh, all of a sudden, 24 hours later, you saw it as like, oh, uh, we found the cause and it's this vitamin that it's this like vegan, all natural multivitamin that you take had one ten thousandth 
of whatever this random substance no one's heard of is. And so it's interesting, though. I mean, he stood up for his convictions and he got change right away. He still gets all of his, you know, he still gets his main event opportunity. He's been unequivocally cleared was the wording that they used. And he sounds like he's going to effect some change here with maybe them fixing this so you don't have this kind of ridiculous stuff because you get guys like that NHL player, Nate Schmidt of the Baseball Knights, remember? You know, he tested positive for, you know, one millionth of something that can't possibly give you any benefit. And then John Jones has tested positive legitimately for a number of things, but the one time where it was like a picogram, which is like nothing. And uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I appreciate getting the cheaters out of the game. This is better maybe than the steroid era in baseball, but they've gone too far the other way. So I like to see that maybe now we can get back to, if it's not helping the guy even, you know, not you shouldn't be so proud of yourselves. You saw it just because you fucking found one ten thousandth of something. Um, have anybody out there been watching the World Series? Um, I asked the question because if you haven't, potentially we've got one of the biggest upsets percolating, if you will, considering that going into the postseason, the Washington Nationals. We're down to the Milwaukee Brewers in the wild card game, and the Brewers' closer, Josh Hader, gave up a game-winning homer. Otherwise, the Washington Nationals wouldn't have gone on and even had a chance to beat the St. Louis Cardinals and then beat uh, whoever they beat in the, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't, oh, they beat the Dodgers first, then they beat the, they swept the St. Louis Cardinals. Now they're in the World Series with a two-games-to-one lead over the Houston Astros, The Washington Nationals, 93 wins. The Houston Astros, 107 wins. And tonight on the Hill is basically the guy. You look at it this way if you're a Washington Nationals fan, and I'm kind of wanting the Nationals because remember this. The Washington Nationals were originally the Montreal Expos, who should have won the 1994 World Series. And if they win the 1990 or even given the opportunity to win the 1994 World Series, which again, they would have won, I still believe in 2019, there's a new stadium in downtown Montreal and we still have a National League East team based out of the province of Quebec. But that's for another day. But it's funny, tonight, when... Bryce Harper took his money or took his bat and his skills and his 265 batting average to Philadelphia for 12 years and $333 million or whatever the hell it was. The Mike Rizzo, he's the general manager of the Washington Nationals. He took that money and went out and signed Patrick Corbin as a starting pitcher. And so you have a starting, you know, they've got a very good and deep, talented starting staff in Washington led by Max Scherzer, and then you go to Steven Strasburg as they won the first two games in Houston. Then you go to game four tonight in Washington, and Patrick Corbin will be on the hill tonight for the Washington Nationals. And I'm just sitting here going, why didn't anybody else find a Juan Soto, the left fielder that has been spectacular for the Washington Nationals, who just turned 21 yesterday. Um, 
you know, it's it's amazing. We think that teams, when they lose those marquee free agents, they're just going to be one pile of dog shit. Well, <laughs> the Washington Nationals, folks, are two wins away from winning their first ever World Series championship. And I kind of want them to do it. I have no I have no ill will toward Houston. Um, you know, they they won a World Series a couple years ago. They're a good team. They're built for the long haul. They're they're going to have a good team next year and they're going to have a good team the year after that and they're well managed by AJ Hinch, but this is something folks. A team that loses their best player or statistically their best player last year in Bryce Harper. He goes to a division rival in Philadelphia for a payday. He makes an an extra $133 million over the next 12 years. But who says you can't be better when you lose an asset like Bryce Harper? I'm just very proud right now of the way the Washington Nationals are playing. They play baseball the right way. They, They hit the ball, but they pitch the ball. And here's the thing. They catch the ball. They do not hurt themselves. And that's how they're beating the Houston Astros right now. They're playing good as they, they're using this term in football. I don't quite get it. Complimentary football. I don't get what that means. But in my small mind, the, excuse me, the Washington Nationals are playing complimentary baseball. They're hitting the ball with, they're getting timely hits. Guys get on base. They're bringing them home. They're not wasting guys. There are no guys left on base, which is really good. They're pitching very well because they've got the studs to do it. But the big thing is they're not committing errors, and that's why I would love to see this rendition of the Montreal Expos (laughs) going in as the Washington Nationals. I would like to see this team win a world championship. I'm a bit conflicted on this. I don't know if Montreal Expos fans are going to like this or not. No, they're not. I don't think I mean, will. maybe some people discontinued watching the franchise. I imagine most didn't. I know Ariel Helwani, the excellent MMA reporter, is from Montreal, and he just despises anything the Nationals do. So, oh, and I, and I guess if the Expos do come back, especially with how well the Nationals are doing now, it's not like the Nationals are going to move back. Like, the Nationals right. are their own team now. If Correct. they win... It looks like they could easily win the World Series. And so, um, boy, yeah, I, I think if we get the Expos, there'll be a new franchise. So I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit conflicted on that one. I mean, I'm happy for them. I like how they let Bryce Harper go and then they can win the World Series. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, hey, good for them. Nice to see a city that, you know, never had a championship in a certain uh, in a certain league finally get one for the first time. I think that's really cool. But yeah, I don't know. I guess, uh, I mean, not like I want to see Houston just roll to another title or anything. So, um, you know, good for them. Honestly, good for them. Um, a lot of things to talk about. Um, I want to start, though, in the National uh, in the National Hockey League, and I've got to give props to the boss. Um, I don't have, I don't have the same conviction that Chris did, but what is it? Uh, 9-2 is 11, 12 games into the season right now. Statistically, points-wise, on top of the power rankings, which we all know here on Unscripted as the standings, the top two teams in the National Hockey League, 12 games in, with 19 points, are the Washington Capitals, which is not a surprise. It was a bit of a surprise that the Capitals came out west here to Canada and took all three games. 
beating Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver in a shootout last night. But the surprise team is the other team that's sitting on top of the standings or the power rankings in the National Hockey League, and that's the Buffalo Sabres with 19 points, their record of 9-2-1. and one. And you know, Chris was telling me, and he was telling any of you that were listening when we did our very thorough NHL preview, and our bureau chief, uh, Mr. Dowd, was with us from Vancouver, and Chris said the Buffalo Sabres were going to make the playoffs, and it was because of one man the former Edmonton bench boss, Ralph Kruger. And sir, I'm giving you the opportunity to say I told you so because, damn it, you were absolutely right. I know it's early, but this is a this is you could not have predicted a better start to a season for a team that has not seen many good days over the last decades. And congratulations to you for your foresight and your conviction. And uh, go ahead. Tell us all to go to hell, but great pick there. I hope it continues because Buffalo is a good sports town. They have, you know, they've they've got an improving football team. They've seen some bad ownership there with the Pagulias, but you know what? This is good for the National Hockey League. It's good for Buffalo, and it's great to see you go out on your conviction and say the Buffalo Sabres are going to make the playoffs, and 12 games in, they're on a hell of a good start. Thank you. And yeah, the Oilers actually beat their the Capitals in a lovely comeback, which mm. I was also excited about there. That was a heck of a game. I almost gave up on it because they didn't look that great. And then they came back and turned it on. But yeah, Ralph Kruger, what a great coach in multiple sports. You know, he gets fired in the NHL and he just goes to soccer and he does well yeah. there. And then he comes back. The guy is just a, a genius, really good guy. Everyone loves him. He's really smart. I, I mean, just gee, I, like what a loss. I mean, in the end, we needed to not change anything so that we still got Connor McDavid because if we had had Ralph Kruger still instead of Dallas Aikens, the time would have been the timeline would have been changed in a very big way, and we I'm sure we never would have gotten McDavid. So in the end, it was okay. But Ralph Kruger, what a guy! And I knew that he would do a good job. And to get this team going when you have noted locker room cancer, Jack Eichel mm-hmm. is uh, is pretty impressive. Uh, winning cures a lot of problems. Yep. And uh, that's what they're doing there. And uh, it, it's nice to see Buffalo doing well. Uh, Any time a team has never won a championship, you know, you feel bad for the fans. And, uh, you know, the Buffalo fans haven't had a lot to cheer about for a long time. I mean, barely made the playoffs with the Bills recently, but hadn't made since 99 before that. Uh, Sabres have never won. Uh, what has Buffalo ever won in any sport? They don't have a Major League Baseball team. They got the Buffalo Bisons, which is the AAA affiliate of the Toronto Raptors, uh, or the Toronto okay. Blue Jays, I mean, excuse me. They um, their basketball, basketball team, um, they had a team in Buffalo called the Buffalo Braves until 1978, and then they moved to San Diego and became the Clippers, which are now, of course, in Los Angeles. So, no, they have had no winning to celebrate, and obviously the most famous team in Buffalo was the 1990 through 94 Buffalo Bills that made four successive Super Bowl trips or trips to the Super Bowl and lost all four times. So um, they've had good teams in Buffalo, but not a team that's been able to get over that threshold. And I know it's early, but 12 games in to have nine wins, that's a great start for the Sabres in Buffalo. Yeah, I'm just I'm 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 happy for them certainly, and uh, very very happy for Ralf Kruger, and I'm glad to see that he's had success that quickly. It's tough as a brand new coach, and then coming back from different sports after a few years, and it's right away takes a team that hasn't been great the last while and makes them win. 
uh, all the credit in the world to Ralph Kruger, and that was exactly the only thing I ba- yeah, I no. based my prediction on. And uh, hey, it's ni- nice to see him prove me right. So yeah, in the words of the late great Bobby Heenan, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. <laughs> and uh, good job, Ralph. <laughs> okay, now since we've been talking about the NHL, one of my favorite whipping boys. <clears throat> Greasy hair, greasy boy, Brian Burke, said last week on his segment, I don't know what they call it. It doesn't matter. Him and David Amber, who I think is a good broadcaster. Sure. David Amber, uh, David Amber, in my opinion, is being groomed to be the next Ron McLean. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, I believe that the CBC is trying to groom greasy boy to be the next Mr. Cherry. And first of all, I don't think you can successfully replace either one of these gentlemen. That's correct. I have an unbelievable respect for Ron McLean. He makes everything look so smooth. He's like Canada's, to me, he's Canada's version of Al Michaels. Very, and Tarico. Mm-hmm. Very smooth, very eloquent, eloquent, knows when to get up, knows when to take it down. Um, I, I think if there is a better lead man, I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, kind of like, emulate Ron McLean. Um, Mr. Cherry is in a class by himself, not only because of his wardrobe, but because of his knowledge, but be just because how popular he is and how knowledgeable he is and how he's able to poke fun at himself, but then also he's able to take it as well as give it. And um, he has been an unbelievable since he was dismissed as the coach of the Boston Bruins and then he had an ill-fated stint as the coach of the Colorado Rockies back in the day that became the New Jersey Devils, Don Cherry is an institution in this country and for the National Hockey League. But for some reason, the CBC thinks greasy boy Brian Burke, the former lawyer, former general manager of a bunch of teams in National Hockey League, they think he can be the guy. Well, they gave him a segment. If you're familiar with this at all, in the first intermission of the first Saturday game on Hockey Night in Canada is devoted to a segment called The Coach's Corner, the most famous and most popular segment in television in this great country. I don't care what anybody says. I've been here 20-some years. I can make that proclamation. I believe more people, people may not watch the first period of the first game, but they're going to be there at the intermission to watch Ron and Don do their thing. I believe that. Brian Burke has his own segment where he sits there and they reprise their roles again. David Amber plays Don, Ron McLean and Greasy Boy Burke plays Mr. Cherry. Brian Burke came out last week in his segment and says there needs to be a shot clock. And, he's in, and, and the number that he gave on this shot clock was between 35 and 40 seconds. So when a team on the offensive, on the offensive takes the possession of the puck, the clock stops, starts, excuse me, and they've got 35 to 40 seconds. And he says, the general managers can figure this out. Yeah, right. When you've got representation in that room with guys like Bradtree Living, <laughs> right. He can take your order. Brian Burke says there needs to be a shot clock during the overtime in National Hockey League games. He says there's too much standing around in the neutral zone as guys when they're playing three on three. When they originally started this years ago, they went four to four on four. Now this year they've recreated it again by going three on three. And Greasy Boy doesn't think there's enough scoring. There's not enough scoring chances. And Greasy Boy thinks that they should go 
and have a shot clock. When team takes offensive possession of the puck in overtime, they've got 35 to 40 seconds to get a shot off on goal. Now, here's my question before I hand it over to Chris, because I know he's going to have something to say about this. But how do you determine... Okay, you know hockey, and even if you don't know hockey, it is the fastest-moving game that I have ever been a witness of. It doesn't stop unless there's a penalty call or a, a puck gets hit out into the stands or you know something. But it, it very rarely stops. That's why I think hockey players are the best-conditioned players in the world because the game never stops. And remember this, folks. Teams only get one timeout during a three-period National Hockey League game. They can, they can only stop the clock once. It's not like the National Football League or the NBA where they're always in timeout. 30-second timeout, minute, 60-second timeout. Uh, coach has to run to the bathroom and take a crap. I mean, it's ridiculous. National Hockey League, you get one timeout. I'm trying to differentiate, and this is where I want Chris to maybe chime in with a reason that Greasy Boy would say this, but if they get to 35 seconds, let's say the shot clock is 35 seconds, do they blow a horn and everybody stops? And they just they do a face-off and they drop? They can't do that. Uh, Amber asked Burke that question, and Burke says, again, well, the general managers can figure it out. No, they can't. I go back to exhibit A, Bradtree Living. I don't know. I just think here, I think this is Brian Burke trying to score points with somebody. Maybe his bosses is for being controversial, maybe being creative or innovative or what it is, but I think this is one of the most silly things that I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of silly things come out of Brian Burke's mouth because remember, previous to his television gig, he was the vice president or president of hockey operations for the Calgary Flames. So we had to read and listen to a lot of his crap over five uneventful years under his tenure in Calgary. But what do you think of this most recent proclamation by Greasy Boy that there needs to be a shot clock in overtime in National Hockey League games because there's too much tannin around in the neutral zone. Well, trying to recreate Coach's Corner is preposterous. Uh, I'll call it Coach's Boner, I think, is my name for this fucking shit. Remember I told you never to do that when I'm taking a drink because it goes up my nose. I saw the timing of how my (laughs) sentence was progressing as you took the drink, and I was like, it would have been too unnatural to stop it. But uh, anyway, good, good good old Brian Burke. So... Look, yeah, you're right. He's trying to be controversial and create something. And they, you know, they're they're the the executives at CBC or I guess Rogers Sportsnet now. They're they're dreaming of this. Oh, he's going to say something and it's going to start a movement and something's going to change and everyone's going to trace it back to oh, it was on this to the point. Oh yeah, so what? Everyone's got to defer. And now now that's must watch TV. You know, that's how executives think they don't mm-hmm. live in the real world, but. Anyway, as soon as you told me this, because I hadn't heard this before, as soon as you told me this before we were even recording, the millisecond you said it, I immediately saw the problem. And I don't think that that's because I'm anything special, but it's because I think anybody who really gets this issue, because you and I are big on the shot clock in, in a number of things, we want to see it brought into baseball. We want to see it brought into poker. Actually, it is in, it is, uh, in poker a lot is now. It? Yeah, you see a lot of where they'll have... I was watching World Series of Poker Europe that's going on right now in the Czech Republic. And yeah, they've got the, they've, they'll have like a tablet or something with the clock counting down and you have to use time extensions if you need in a big decision. But anyway, the problem instantly is simply this. And this really shows that Brian Burke doesn't understand the issue. He's seeing that other 
sports are bringing in shot clocks or are discussing yeah. bringing shot clocks. He sees that, but he doesn't know how to apply, you know, what's going on there to hockey. So he just sees that, oh, well, maybe hockey should copy that too. The reason that it's a good idea in baseball or poker is to speed up the game. Hmm. If you bring it into hockey, it will slow down the game. Right. That's the problem. Because what are you going to do? You're going to either it does absolutely nothing. Right. Or it increases the number of stoppages. Those are the only two possibilities, Brian. There's nothing else that can possibly happen. So because of that, there's no possible upside to your stupid half-baked idea. Therefore, you're an idiot and you're wrong. (laughs) Before we get out of here on this 413th episode of Unscripted, I wanted to give Chris the opportunity. If he has any news and notes to update us on, on uh, all elite wrestling, um, he must have been busy this week or busy doing his daytime job, which he's very good at. I didn't see his update uh, this week on, or maybe it wasn't on. I don't know, but uh, I want to give you the opportunity because, again, I think this is an important thing for us moving forward is that we have a connection. We have something that people can come back and get regular updates on. And as I'm getting more uh, immersed into this, I'm seeing more advertising, which is a really good thing. I'm seeing more commercials advertising the uh, the Wednesday night uh, on TNT, their broadcast of All Elite Wrestling. So I'd like to give this opportunity to Chris to update our listeners of Unscripted to any updated news and notes from the world of All Elite Wrestling. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, no, I've uh, been a little bit busy, and those uh, those reports that I do, I only know how to do them one way, and that's very detailed, so they do take a fair bit of time. So what I think I'd like to do now is I'm going to, I'll do their big events, like their pay-per-views, instead of the weekly television show. I think that's a better use of my time, and then I only have to do it, you know, once a month or so, and I can certainly do that. And I do enjoy doing it, but it just, sometimes it just, uh, it just gets to be fairly intensive. But yeah, they've got their full gear pay-per-view coming up. I like what they're doing. They have, uh, for the record, if any of you haven't seen the ratings, they have beaten WWE in the ratings war, the Wednesday night wars, every single week that it's happened. And of course, Vince will just write that off, as I predicted, as, oh, well, they're beating NXT. They're not really beating WWE, but whatever. But it is that is an interesting thing you brought up, how there's mainstream advertising now. That would have been so hard for me to picture even 10 years ago, never mind 20, when wrestling was really, really exciting. And, uh, you know, just the picture like WWE is on Fox and they're getting all this cross promotion on NFL and they're interviewing the guys and they're promoting it. And Joe Buck trying to sound like he knows what he's talking about in wrestling is even worse than him trying to Joe do the Buck same on golf. Yeah. Or that. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you imagine just hey, Bryson DeChambeau with no shot clock and Joe Buck commentating? <laughs> Fucking kill me. Like <laughs> with Brooks, Brooks Kepka in the yeah. back wanting to kill Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, Jesus. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, AEW has been great. I love how the weekly television shows have had great wrestling, and that's something Vince McMahon has rarely n- learned or thought about. Uh, they can ha- You can have great matches outside your pay-per-views. It's been exciting. And I love how they make their matches important. Like, if you watch a WWE pay-per-view, you might see these great video packages promoting some of the big matches, right? Whether it's you know, advertising ahead of time or during the event to get you all psyched up for it. But... All Elite Wrestling will do that before the opening match on their weekly television show with two random guys facing each other. I mean, it's like, wow, like they really want to make the match results matter. Uh, What a great innovation to have. They have 
Uh, even when they come to the ring and it has their name on the screen, or you can go to their website and look it up, all their guys, it has their win-loss record for singles matches, tag team matches, and trios, so three-on-three matches. It has win-loss records for each one. Vince McMahon would never go to that kind of detail or care about that stuff. I, just great innovations, and they're doing a great job. Uh, I've I just really, really enjoyed everything about it, and they're just getting started. So uh, nothing overly newsworthy in terms of, you know, shocking yeah. things. But uh, I'm just, they have completely lived up to my expectations of them as an innovative new wrestling organization. And I'm just, I'm just really proud of them. And I don't worry, I am watching and uh, just because I'm not doing the weekly ones, but I will be doing for sure the monthly ones for the big events. And uh, it's just, it is really a labor of love when I can squeeze it in. So thank you for continuing to ask. You haven't gotten to watch any of it, I guess, probably. Hey, like it, it does air on TSN 2 on Wednesdays in Canada. I, I watched a little bit two Wednesdays ago. Did you see some in-ring action? Yeah. 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 What did you think? I thought it was it was good. I, and I liked that I got to hear Jim Ross again. Yeah. That was important to me because as I'm trying to assimilate myself, it's nice to have that familiar voice behind there. And mm-hmm. um, so that was helpful to me that, that JR was there because I was familiar with JR. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, a, it, it's good to have good competition. It makes, if the AEW is better, in my opinion, ultimately, McMahon may not open his eyes to this, but I think that's better for his wrestling league too, realistically. Mm-hmm. The more competition that you have, I think the better product that you ultimately yeah. will throw out there on a weekly basis. And uh, I think it's a win-win. I don't think Mr. McMahon sees it that way, but that's, you know, um, I just hope that the AEW continues to do what they say they're going to do, and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. And, uh, you know, I'm slowly but surely, you know, immersing myself more and more into it. And um, I, you know, I'm interested to see their first big ticket item, you know, like a, a SummerSlam or a, uh, WrestleMania or something, whatever their equivalent is going to be. And I want to see how that takes off. And I think that'll be a telltale sign. And I think they'll do a fine job with it. Before we get out of here on this uh, 413th episode of Unscripted, I did want to send some uh, best wishes out from both of us to the family of Hall of Famer Dale Howarchuk, who is uh, fighting stomach cancer. I just learned this morning. He has taken a leave of absence as the coach of the Barry Colts in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, Here's a guy that had 518 goals and 891 assists over his celebrated career. Probably, I would think, most famous for his years with the Winnipeg Jets the first time around. But people remember him in Buffalo, St. Louis, and Philadelphia as well. But uh, again, would like to send out those best wishes to Dale Howarchuk. And hopefully uh, things are going well. Um, I did hear, hear him make the comment that, and literally, and I'm saying this verbatim, uh, chemo's a bitch, and uh, it is. There's no question about it. And uh, But I, again, we send out our best wishes to the Howard Chuck family on the uh, Hall of Famer as he's battling stomach cancer. Um, it's a bad thing, and, and again, uh, all thoughts and prayers go out to the Howard Chuck family for a hopefully uh, positive resolution after he gets done with all of his uh, medical treatments. Can I just say about uh, Howard Chuck, uh, really an underrated guy, great leader and great captain, drafted first overall by the Jets in 81, and uh, the youngest player in history to score 100 points, and uh, just a just a great, great player, and uh, a really underrated guy. I mean, he was 
in terms of pure scoring talent, he was right up there with all of them. I mean, if Gretzky was at the top, I mean, you had a couple guys that were right under that, and he was one of them, and uh, he never really got his his uh, his just do I don't think uh, he he could have easily especially in a different era maybe if he wouldn't have had to you know the Jets would just lose the Oilers every time yep. in the playoffs yep. and uh, if he wouldn't have had that I mean he could have been a captain that won three four five cups potentially really I mean on a slightly better team maybe although the team was pretty good a lot uh, and and a different era and a different division you would have probably seen a lot of Winnipeg Jets hockey growing up in Yorkton oh sure yeah. sure absolutely yeah and uh, and that was just a, what an unfortunate thing to run to the Gretzky Oilers dynasty. I mean, what are you going to do? And so, yeah, like we, I mean, if he had had some other things break his way, maybe go to a different team or something that uh, we could be talking about Dale Howarchuk in the same way we talk about Mario Lemieux type thing. Right. So uh, I, I feel bad that he never really got what he truly deserved. Uh, and so I, I certainly hope that he, uh, he uh, makes a speedy recovery. We've got a run on this 413th episode of Unscripted. We thank you, as always, for joining us and hope that you certainly continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Luke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.